Hello, my friend. I am Mr. X Dreams, your guide in this place that lives in the twilight between the waking world and the dream world. You're now listening to the Dreamer Cast. Here we explore the stories and ideas that, I believe, connect all human beings across both space and time. Monsters, magic, gods and ghosts, the multiverse. There is more to this existence than meets the eye. But I tell you the truth, friend. Stay with me, and you and I will together witness the birth of new worlds. Welcome to my realm. Welcome to the DreamerCast. Hey there, my dreamers. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to drop me a nice five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps me out, and I would appreciate it very much. And by the way, if you have a paranormal story of your own that you'd like to share here on the DreamerCast, head over to my website, MrXDreams.com. That's M-R-X-D-R-E-A-M-S dot com, where you'll find a story submission page along with links to my merchandise, YouTube channel, and other ways to support the show. If this is your first time here, welcome, my friend. I'm glad to have you. If not, welcome back, my dreamer. I want you to open your mind, listen and consider these stories and their implications. Understand that the machinations of this world may be stranger than you once believed. Now, let's get into some stories and discussion here on the DreamerCast. What you are about to hear are allegedly true stories told by and discussed with the very one who had the experience. Enjoy, my friends. My friends, my dreamers, we have a fellow dreamer, Gina, who's got some really interesting stories to share with us. Gina, are you there? I am. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me for the uh, first recorded episode of my new podcast. Okay. I, I thought I saw that. I thought I saw that uh, that connection there. Phoenix says that uh, she's your daughter, Gina. Oh, ha, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix Risings. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, Gina, how's it going today? Yes. Oh, it's going very well. I am honored to be your first guest. And I am honored to have you here. You're a longtime supporter and uh, ride or die, always been there as for as long as I can remember with me on YouTube and everything like that. And you are now officially part of the DreamerCast, my new podcast that's going to be dropping very soon. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right. So I want to get into these stories that you uh, lightly told me about. I got a little bit of a preview, but honestly, I haven't heard very much about them. So what I want you to do is um, let's start with, you mentioned being terrorized by a demon to some extent. Oh, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of a freaky thing. 
um, well, when I was younger, I used to have this weird thing that I could do where I could relax my eyes and in lower lighting, stare into someone's eyes and I would get a mental image, an overlay, if you will, of a different face. Mm. And I always thought it was like the face of their actual soul. Okay. So as an 18-year-old, this is what my thinking is. And this particular incident happened, and I had been dating a gentleman, and uh, we'll call him Rick. And I met him through his friend, Mike. And Mike was dating my friend, Nicole. So we had our little foursome there. And we had gone out for the evening and uh, returned back to Mike's house and went in our separate quarters and uh, partook in some adult entertainment. (laughs) Okay. And... (laughs) You know, consenting adults. So I was straddling Rick, looking down in his eyes, and I thought, okay, I'm going to see if I can do my little trick here. So I let my eyes go relaxed, and nothing's showing up, but his actual face is disappearing. So there's like no overlay, and then there's no face. Hmm. And it's dark. I mean, not just like dark, the lights are off, but dark as in the absence of everything. Wow. No, no shades of gray, no shades of black, just the absence. And he grabs me by the upper arms and just throws me off the bed, I mean, like, off the foot of the bed. And I land about four feet away on my butt. And he, I, I, I can't explain this any other way, he went from horizontal to vertical in an instant. Wow. And he, this deep voice says, never do that without permission. And I'm, you know, wide-eyed on the floor thinking, what in the heck? And then he just lays back down. And everything's fine. So I'm thinking, you know, this is a mood killer for me. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. So so I'm like, okay, well, let's go see what Mike and Nick are doing. And, you know, throw my clothes back on. And I exit the room. And I go and knock on Mike's door. And go in. I don't even wait for them to answer. Because at this point, I'm a little freaked. And Mike's room had two floor-to-ceiling windows. And his bed was between the two windows. Mm-hmm. So I sit on the foot of the bed. And uh, Rick comes in. And he's kind of leaning against the wall behind me. And the blinds are open on these windows. And again, floor to ceiling. So the top of the windows is like eight feet high. You know, kind of vaulted Mm -hmm. room sort of thing. 
and we're kind of chatting and I glance to the window that would be on my left and up at the top of the window I see these red kind of almond shaped eyes and they're not small like human eyes they're like big <laughs> you know big mm -hmm. eyes and I ask Mike and Nick if they see that so Mike kind of Mike would be on the right side so he kind of leans around Nick and looks up and he's like what the hell I'm like okay close the blinds close the blinds close the blinds so he he closes them and then he closes the other one and and Nick's like what what'd you see what'd you see and Mike says uh, I don't know what that was and then we start hearing, I don't know if you've ever heard a horse walk on cement, but it has a distinct kind of a hollowy clomp sound because of the, the shape of the hoof. Mm -hmm. And we hear this sound walking around outside around this pool. Only it's two feet, not four. And, you know, the hairs are starting to stand up and we're all starting to get a real queasy creepy feeling and we're hearing this thing and it's walking all around and it's heavy and it's big only rick is not reacting to this at all he's just leaning against the wall with his arms crossed and you know i don't i i, I don't know what this thing is it terrified us for like two hours we heard this thing there were times when we heard it on the roof and I thought it was going to come through the roof because you could hear the roof creaking and just, oh my gosh, it was so terrifying. Of course, we never saw it again because we had the blinds closed, but you could kind of feel its presence on different sides of the house. And like I said, a couple of hours this happened. And finally, Rick kind of says, okay, let's calling into this and uh the feeling went away we're all sitting there going okay did it did, did that really just happen did did that really happen you saw it you heard it you felt it so nick and i decided it's time to make an exit so we're driving back to my house discussing it we don't know what it is uh she's gonna spend the night at my house so about i don't know three o'clock in the morning I start getting that same feeling again, that hair prickling on the back of my neck, queasy, and I could just tell it was that thing. It was at my house now. I didn't hear it, but I could feel it, just that pit of the stomach feeling. And, you know, about 10 minutes, and then it left. And on and off for about the next four years, this thing would periodically show up never did anything never peeked in my windows or anything but I could feel it and it wasn't just at my house I could have you know uh, it happened one time when I was out of town I just felt it hmm. so are those two things related I can't say but I had never had that vision thing where someone didn't have a face and his reaction to it and then this thing this big heavy hoof-footed, red-eyed thing, I can only only assume, 
it was a demon because, well, you know, what else could it have been? Right. No, I, I, so, I definitely get yeah. that characterization. I have a few questions okay. about this story. Um, first of all, it's very interesting, and the way you told it was very haunting. I can hear it in your voice, the the queasiness about recalling yeah, it, and dredging up that memory. Me. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I, I think in a way, as you, as I've said before so many times, a lot of people, if you've got one paranormal experience or some kind of aspect of yourself or your life that kind of lends itself to that paranormal world, that, that part of, of reality or existence, there's, there tends to be more than one. Nobody just has one thing happen and then that's it. Or is aware mm -hmm. of one aspect of the weird paranormal world and no, none others. So mm -hmm. being a fellow experiencer of the paranormal myself, I think when you were, when you were explaining that staring at someone's face and their face dis disappearing uh -huh. or warping, I, I know that exact feeling. I know exactly what you're talking about. And to oh. some to some extent i you know i always try to i always try to explain things scientifically or or logically and tr basically try to write everything off as much as possible and if i can't do that mm -hmm. then it it might be something strange it might be some some uh you know something paranormal something beyond the realm of normal conventional explanation and wisdom and i've right. always i've always kind of assumed that when if you're staring at someone and it's and it's dark, their face kind of warps because your brain just starts kind of not feeling like filling in that information with the visual data because the visual data is being polluted. But for you to right. say that it became just pitch blackness and mm -hmm. and then not to mention the other things that happened afterwards, my question, one yeah. of the questions was when when Rick threw you off what can you explain what that felt like his his touching you did it feel like a human being touching you or did it feel like there was any sort of you know other force acting on your body did he feel really really strong or or like a normal guy pushing you oh no he was very strong he it was there was force to it i mean he did not i i knew that he could have really hurt me. Mm -hmm. It just, you could just feel, because he was, you know, flat on his back. So right. to get me up and off with enough force that my feet would fly out, you know, in his direction as my back was heading towards the wall and to land several feet away from the end of the bed. Right. You know, if someone, if a normal person would do that, you just kind of flop over on your back. But I was up and off the bed. So there was a lot of strength there. Um, I didn't get like an electrical shock or his touch didn't feel cold. But there was a strength there that was not normal. Hmm. That is that is very uh, compelling as far as this being not a normal, easily explained event, in my opinion. You said that he oh. he sort of, he popped up like that and he said, never do that without permission in a bizarre voice but then yeah. he laid back down did he seem to have any reaction like that did he acknowledge what had just happened um other than telling me not to do it again no 
Um, oh, I might add, this was a waterbed. Oh, great. So for him to go <laughs> from <laughs> Something about that makes it worse. I, I know, right? For him to go from flat to standing to back flat again. And it's not like there was a big slosh of the one. Again, this is the 80s, waterbeds. There wasn't a big slosh of the waterbed or anything. Right. And then just his kind of smugness during the rest of the evening when, you know, the three of us were freaking out about whatever this thing was. And he was very non-pulsed about it. Just, you know. Right. So Leaning against the wall like nothing. And did he, it seemed almost like he was in control of the situation at that point. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see that at the time because I was too embedded in it. It was, it was too real. Right. But it, in, in hindsight, yes, I can look back and go, wow, that's, he was uh, kind of enjoying this just a little too much. He wasn't worried. He wasn't scared. He knew. Right. And the, the fact that everyone else is reacting to this, to, you know, the sound of the hooves and on the concrete outside and all this basically bedlam craziness happening. Everybody's mm -hmm. freaking out and he's kind of just posted up against the wall and eventually says, you know what? This is over. Let's 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 pack it up. It's almost like he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's telling his dog or something or or his horse, two legged horse out there. His pet or his companion. All right, they've had enough. Let's let's move on. Yeah, I think I've scared you enough. You've learned your lesson. Did you keep in oh, touch with Rick at all? Him. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, no. Okay, I good, was good, dead. good call, good call. I was hoping you wouldn't I say am, yeah I that, am that still you're with married Mike, to him. Though. Oh no, no, <laughs> no! I'm not that dumb. <laughs> No, it was, yeah, that, that just, and you know, I don't do that thing with my eyes anymore either. That scared me so bad. Oh, and I, I, I hadn't even thought about asking permission. You know, it's, you're a kid, you don't think about that. But as an adult, I can see how, okay, yeah, that would be a little intrusive. Yeah, just stare someone's, so. someone's demon in the face without asking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Sound that sounds kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, don't look behind that curtain. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. Yeah, it was. Thank gosh, it doesn't happen anymore. But it did for several years. So yeah, that was. And I agree that I think people that um, touch the paranormal, it keeps in touch back. Yeah, I I I, I tend to agree. There seems to be there seems to be uh, no limit to how how far and, and how how much it's willing to touch someone. Mm -hmm. You know, once you get your, it's almost like once you have uh, you know your hand in that pot or your toe, dip your toe in that water, it can spread to other areas of your life, things that you didn't expect. Every so many people that I know that have had one paranormal experience, they don't. They, nobody just has one. And that's it. Very rarely do I find someone who's got one experience and nothing else. It's it's multiple different things, different types of things happening to people. It's pretty pretty fascinating. I wish I could find some type of some type yeah. of pattern. 
Ellen Ellen Garcia asks, uh, does Mike remember this? Was it? Oh no, it was it, it. Mike was the friend. I haven't kept in touch with Rick. Okay. Uh, you know we haven't talked about it. I don't know how to broach the subject. Hey, Mike, remember that night we were, you know, fooling around at your house and <laughs> we were terrorized by the demon? Mm. Um, no, I haven't asked him. I've, I've thought about it. I just, I don't know how to to broach the subject with him. Hmm. Maybe I, I'll I, I understand. Maybe I, I, I get now. that. And, and if you do, if you do get a chance to talk to Mike and ask him about that, please do uh, yeah. let me know what and he I says. Would share back with you. That would be Absolutely. really interesting to know because... The more corroborating witnesses you can you can get on something like that, the more compelling mm-hmm. of a case it is, in my opinion. Let's see here. Yeah. I'm going to go to another question here from the chat. Okay. Ellen Garcia also asked, do you think that that was somehow a representation of Rick's soul itself? You know, I never got the feeling that that was a representation. I always felt i felt it was like a, a pet like rick was something maybe just borrowing a human body and or visiting or you know something on that and that he conjured for a better word uh this thing to kind of teach me a lesson but you know after the fact that there was it was just such darkness when I, I tried to look at, at, in his eyes there, I mean, and we're not talking to, just dark. I can't emphasize how lack of anything that it was, not just darkness, just void. Right. Like almost like a Vanta black. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. It's a, it's a so material that's base. It's, it's looks like if there was such a thing as um, taking a, cup or a bucket and dipping it into a black hole and using that as paint that's what mm-hmm. vanta black looks like it does it shows up on in any image that i've ever seen of with something that's painted in vanta black looks like there's literally a void where that object is supposed to be no light reflects off of it whatsoever that's what i that's what i imagine when you when you describe the look of that's that that exactly, face that's that's exactly what it was it was, you know, so the spot where there was supposed to be something, you know, mm. that every every human has that spot where this spark or soul or whatever you call it dwells. His was not there at all. Wow. Which is why I'm thinking it was, you know, him, whatever he was, inhabiting a physical form, a human-like right. costume. But then again, there was also an, it was interesting that the way the way you presented it, it almost seemed like there was some type of relationship between Rick himself and this creature, the one that's walking around outside. The way he said, I felt like- you know, he, he kind of was hanging out for a while, letting it do its thing, and he's like, "All right, let's we're calling it a day. Let's go." Something maybe if he wasn't necessarily controlling all of the movements, he was orchestrating it mm-hmm. very interesting okay fantastic story very interesting so moving on to the next item that you told me about that you've been pulled out of your body by some sort of oh. entity on more than one occasion yeah yeah 
and it didn't feel the same as as this last one. <laughs> it was different. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but it was different too. <clears throat> wow. Um, I've always been interested in out-of-body experiences, but I've never really been able to do it. You know, I've read books and I've heard people talk and stuff, but I just, I could get, you know, just up a little bit and then kind of pulled back down mm-hmm. into my body. And um, this one night <clears throat> I was in, I had a studio apartment all by myself and I was laying in bed, kind of almost asleep, mm-hmm. you know, where you're in that real floaty kind of, and it suddenly feels like my boyfriend at the time is laying in bed next to me. And I kind of feel like, I don't know if I actually moved, but it feels like I just reached over and laid my hand on top of his. Mm. Um, But he felt like he was wearing these leather gloves with very long cuffs. So the cuff would come up to like mid forearm kind of like a, a medieval leather gauntlet kind of thing. Okay. And I thought, oh, he's wearing his motorcycle gloves. Odd. Whatever. You know, it's it's just not clicking that <laughs> um, these things are happening. So mm-hmm. um, my bed would be in the um, lower right-hand corner of the room. And I feel like we started to rise up above you know kind of float not physically uh but our our spirits whatever started to float and i'm like oh cool i'm doing it (laughs) you know (laughs) i'm actually doing it i'm aware of what's happening and we're floating kind of at an angle to the opposite corner of the room which would be you know the upper left kind of Mm -hmm. both things happen towards the left oh hadn't thought about that sorry I digress. Um, anyway, so I'm getting up towards the ceiling in the opposite corner, and I suddenly realize that my boyfriend at the time doesn't believe in anything paranormal at no. all. And he wouldn't be doing this. So I start to kind of resist because I'm suddenly thinking, this is not my boyfriend. And the hand then feels like instead of me holding it, it kind of reaches out and grabs my wrist. And instead of floating, I'm starting to be towed. Hmm. And I'm resisting and thinking, you know, okay, this is, this is not right. I, this is, you know, not how it should feel. This, this shouldn't be, something should not be pulling me. And it felt like the harder I resisted, the harder it pulled. And it it was it started to become a tug of war, and I just had this feeling that if it gets me out of my room, uh, I'm done for. I won't be able to get back. So I, I'm not exactly sure how I, because you can't physically pull, but I pulled hard enough that I sank back into my body, and my body actually bounced on the bed when this happened which just you know was weird I didn't know it would do that Uh, 
So I immediately turned on my lights, all of my lights, you know, every light in the apartment, every lamp, everything, and just kind of sat in the corner of my bed, go shaking, thinking, what, what was that? that that just tried to, you know, do this, just, just tried to drag me away. What, what would do that? What could do that? I had no idea. Um, so I didn't sleep for the rest of the night and I eventually got over it and kind of put it out of my mind. Wasn't a big thing. My life goes on. And, uh, a couple years later, I have my daughter who's in the room in the chat room. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> and <laughs> she's a, she's an infant. She's, I would say less than six months old. And her crib was in my bedroom one night and I'm, she's in her crib sleeping and I had just laid down and I'm laying on my side. Fa- I'm laying on my left side facing the, the door and her crib would be right on the wall that the door is on. And I can kind of see out of the corner of my eye, my alarm clock. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I feel this tugging, not physical again, uh, at the base of my skull. Like something's mm. trying to draw me out backwards. And wow. I kind of recognize this creepy thing. And I immediately flash back to you know, what had happened before in my apartment. And I'm looking at the clock and it was like 3.36. A.M. A.M., middle of the night. And I'm resisting. I don't want to go. And, of course, it's getting more insistent and I'm fighting harder and immediately flashes through my mind that if I don't stay in my body, my daughter is not going to be protected. Hmm. I had, and I don't know why, but it was, I have to be here. I have to stay to make sure my daughter is safe. And that could have been just mommy instincts, or it could have been, you know, a little bit of psychic flash, but I watched the clock because that was the only you know thing I could focus on and I just watched the minutes took but tick by and it was I think it was like 12 minutes that I laid there and had this psychic tug of war with this thing until it finally just quit and um you know, by this time, I had decided I'm not going to ever explore out-of-body experiences. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to shut it out of my mind. And, you know, we're not playing this game anymore. Because mm. I was just, I was terrified that something would happen to my daughter. And I don't, I had really know why. It just, that was the, the overwhelming thought is you can't leave. You have to stay here and protect her. But it felt like the same thing. There's there's sort of a, a primal fear associated with, in my opinion anyway, because I've, I've been in that state where I'm close to leaving my body or I succeed in 
in a way escaping my body or at least the the uh environment that I happen to be in at the time it's mm-hmm. it's something it it feels like you're stepping off into the deep end of a pool yes. or and and you can't and you know you're not sure if you're if you know how to swim you know you're not sure what's going to happen mm-hmm. once you once you step into there and surrender yourself to that to that the to the water and i it's it's a like i said a primal fear and i totally get that and it's compounded when you know that whatever whatever happens to you it's not just going to be on you there's someone else there depending on you to be okay and to be in yes. control of your faculties i i totally understand that that uh the feeling that you had there a couple of things i wanted to mention about this story is how this entity which you described kind of the hand that you that you saw mm-hmm. it in one way or another it seemed to try to give you a false sense of security so that you would just kind of go with it the first time yeah it lied yeah that is yeah. that is really creepy for lack of yeah. a better term it 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 tricked me it's mm. like if it if i really knew what it was i would never consider going with it so it took a form that i completely trusted right until i realized that that form would never do that yeah that's that's really that's really uh disconcerting for sure also yeah something or whatever the energy or entity was trying to draw you out and you can feel yourself being drawn out from the base of your skull that yeah. is a uh, that's pretty interesting because it it seems to indicate there being some type of locality to to your consciousness to your mind and you could feel you can feel it coming from that area of your body specifically that's really interesting that's yeah. something that i don't hear very often I, I was always under the impression that when people do the out-of-body experience, that they kind of come from um, their the center of their chest, like their heart chakra, kind of just just at their sternum. Uh, but yeah, this, this was not, that would have put it right through the center of my back. And it wasn't, it was, it was right at the, the base of my skull. Very interesting. I've I've also noticed yeah. over over the years of researching things and even one particular thing that happened to me personally that that whole time frame of like 2 to 4 a.m. it seems mm-hmm. like that a lot of weird bizarre things happen to people at that time like when I had when I had my encounter with what I believe was some type of possibly some type of gray uh mm-hmm. creature it was 2:36 in the morning and it's interesting because you said oh wow yours you you, you had that happen at 3:36 in the morning oh wow very very wow. interesting that so many things happen and i yeah that, that's very very interesting um you know i'm sure there's all kinds of numerology that we could get into if we were so yeah. inclined i'm going to go yeah. before before we go to your to your Last story. I'm gonna look through this chat real quick and see if I could find oh, any uh, particular any questions. Questions. Now, Zucker asks, uh, "Did you see anything but the hand?" No, no. And it it was uh, kind of suede, but it was stiffer than suede leather mm-hmm. feeling. 
you know, suede is very soft. Right. Kind of, I guess it would be like the, the inside of leather, if if you know what I mean. One side tends to be uh, kind of almost like shiny, and mm-hmm. the other side is... Kind of like a hide type. hide type, uh, like yeah. rough hide yeah. type texture. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And it's weird that I could actually, like, perceive the texture and stuff. But wow. yeah, it was... And you physically, that's, you that's f- felt the sensation of that. Mm-hmm. of that yeah. texture yeah that it was there was a fully formed hand underneath mine and i could feel the because mm. i my hand was basically and i have small hands so uh, almost like if your hand is like you're shaking hands and my hand is laid over the top of it so i'm mostly in contact with your index finger does that make sense I think I get the mental image you're talking about. I'm sitting here twisting my hands like (laughs) anybody can see me. (laughs) But no, it was the hand and then the feeling that it was my then boyfriend. Hmm. The the absolute deception of it. Wow. So well, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're able to report that you did not fall prey to that deception. Snips asks. Why do you think the creature would want you? Do you have any have I has anything know. crossed your mind that might have uh, been some t- sort of maybe indication? Maybe because I can sense it. Hmm. I mean, if that makes any sense, it's like okay, well, you know, we got to make sure that these people that can feel us or sense us, well, you know, we can't make sure there's we got to make sure there's not very many of them or they'll you know out us or something. I I don't know. That's that is a good question. I I don't know. Well, why me? I mean, I'm not anything. I'm just, you know, ordinary everyday, you know. Well, you're you're an ordinary everyday lady who has the ability to draw demons out of their hiding places in people's faces. That's uh, oh. that's that's one oh. special talent that you had. Okay. I wonder if that's got something to do with it. <laughs> I don't know. You mean like I've got a wanted poster in hell? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe they maybe they just wanted to check up on you and um or maybe they really needed something done that only a human could do. Maybe. I I'm not know. even going to go down that rabbit hole right now because that that just sounds like the makings yeah, of a so many terrifying movie. Terrifying story. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. You know what? That's yeah, we we might have to do that some at some point. Yeah. <laughs> the wanted poster in hell. That's <laughs> That's a that's a pretty good hashtag there, Snips. Thank it you. Is. Nikki J says, once you're recognized by one, you're recognized by all. Yeah, that's Oh. Okay, yeah, that you know, that sounds very reasonable to me. Oh yeah. It's it make, like I makes have a sense. mark. That that actually yeah. sounds kinda cool. Well <laughs> <laughs> D- depending on depending on who you ask, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Yeah, that's that's a very good point. The last story that you've got is okay. one that I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to hearing because I haven't heard anything about it. But it was some sort of Bigfoot-related story you you mentioned. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Would you care to to um, enlighten us? I will. Um, he's actually called the Mogion Monster for those of you that are local to the Arizona and southern Utah, Colorado, New Mexico area. Uh, There is a plateau in northern Arizona, a geological feature, that is called the Mogollon Rim. 
And uh, it's a lot of people don't know this, but we've actually got pine forests in Arizona. Hmm. And high altitude uh, Flagstaff is up on top of the rim. For those of you who know where Flagstaff, Arizona is, uh, snow, skiing, the whole bit. Uh, there's also uh, hunting, deer hunting and elk hunting and, you know, that kind of thing. And when I was younger, my family, uh, we deer hunted every year. It was just the big family thing. You know, opening weekend, you got to be up there deer hunting. And the family, since the prior generation, had always picked this particular area um, off of Interstate 40. And the area is called the Devil's Pocket. Okay. And the road that you use to get into the devil's pocket is devil dog road and i i don't know why it's called that i've never heard it's all sounding Um, super charming so far (laughs) i know right (laughs) um so i guess i was probably seven or eight and we proceed up to northern arizona um now in arizona we have managed deer hunts which means they only allow you people to hunt a certain amount of deer and you have to uh, apply to get a deer tag. And mm-hmm. sometimes they uh, will award a child's tag, which means only a child can hunt the deer or a doe hunt, which, you know, if they have too many females, they have to call the herds. So this is the, you know, we always put in, request the tags for this particular area and everything. So we head up there and uh, my uncle, I'll call him Mike, loved to tease me. Just, he terrorized me growing up. He would tell me that if I was bad, that they would make me sleep in the deer carcass. Oh, wow. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) sounds like a fantastic uncle. Yeah, Um, you know, I think it was because his father used to tell him that (laughs) himself, you know, so he had to share that with the the, the oncoming generation. Uh, Can't blame him then, I Um, guess. Yeah. Um, And he used to always tease me about the Mogollon monster, that the the Mogollon monster was going to get me. And I had no idea what it was. It was just this, you know, thing that Uncle Mike talked about. And it was scary, and I had to be careful and not wander off at night and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we used to, um, we had, the grandparents had a little travel trailer that they stayed in. And then everybody else, the rest of the adults, uh, aunts, uncles, so forth, had tents. And uh, we usually had, you know, probably at least eight people, ten people camping with us, if not more, every year. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, my mother wanted my brother and I to be a little bit more protected than just a tent. You know, she wanted us to be out of the wind and stuff. So we had this old late 60s uh, window van. They used to call it a window van. So kind of like a work van, but windows, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm familiar. Okay. My dad so, had you know, one that, of those growing like, up. That's like six and a half feet tall. That's that's pretty tall, mm-hmm. and uh, I was small enough to be able to stand up inside the van. So 
you know, every night before we go to bed, they'd go and they'd start the van and run the heater so it was all nice and toasty warm and everything. And then we'd, my brother, who's uh, three years older than me, my brother and I would climb in and go to sleep. So um, this one particular evening, you know, you can, you can still hear the adults talking and, and the dogs doing dog things and, you know, the fire crackling and stuff. And that's what we would go to sleep to. So this one evening, I wake up. I don't, I don't know what wakes me up. I, I, it's not like I have to get up and go to the bathroom. I'm just, something so, uh, has woke me up. And I'm listening, and I don't hear the fire really crackling. And I don't hear anybody talking. I don't hear the dogs. So I'm like, what, what is that? You know, and I'm, I didn't sit up, but I, you know, kind of looked you could see the sky through the windows, you know, so I'm just kind of looking around and one of the rear windows on my side of the van, I was on the passenger side, is blocked and there's enough moonlight that I can tell it's furry hmm. and I can kind of see its chest and stomach area, but I don't, I don't see the legs and I don't see the arms, but it's just this kind of shaggy and i thought what what would somebody be doing wearing a fur coat out here what you know that that's just weird and i don't think anything of it until i hear you know a little bit of kind of you know how when a dog is sniffing something real hard they're like making that snoofy noise that mm -hmm. i kind of hear that and i'm thinking okay that's that's weird that, that you know what it's uncle mike he's messing with me that's what it is. He's he's trying to scare me. Well, I'm not falling for it. So I kind of pull the, the, the bedroll up over my head and snuggle back down and go to sleep. I don't think anything more of it because hmm. I, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's Uncle Mike. I'm safe. All's good. Sounds like something he would do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, trying to get a rise out of me. Well, I'm not going to do it. So we wake up in the morning. You know, my brother wakes me. And he's like, come on, we got to, because it was his job to escort me to the edge of camp so I could go potty. That was his thing, and he hated mm -hmm. it. But, you know, that was his job. It was like, come on, get up. <laughs> I wanted to get my day started. And I'm like, you know, Uncle Mike was messing with me last night. You know, he, and I started to tell my brother, and my brother's eyes get really big, and he throws the back of the van open, starts calling for our uncle, and he comes over and he's like, what, what? And he tells him, you know, what I had said. And my uncle's like, what? No, that wasn't me. And they start looking around and there's footprints in the dirt on the side of the van. Wow. And they're big. And then my brother is taller than me and he's standing and he could just see some of the, he looks on the top of the van, like out the back door and kind of across it. And he's like, what is this? So up here, I see something. So my uncle, you know, steps up on the back of the van and, and looks and he can see what looks like someone has drugged their hand through the dust on the top of the van. And it's huge, much bigger than mm. his own hand. So, you know, not a whole lot was said about it. There, it, it, it suddenly just quit being anything. Uh, but after that, 
my mom would have me sleep in the travel trailer with the grandparents. I mean, for the next years, I I never slept in a tent <laughs> up camping. I stayed in the travel trailer until I quit going up there. And it wasn't until I was, well, until the internet <laughs> that mm -hmm. I connected the dots that the Mogollon monster is actually what they call Bigfoot in Northern Arizona. And there's actually other sightings of Bigfoot in that exact area. So fortunately, hmm. I didn't know I was supposed to be afraid. But as you know, as I think back to the different things that had happened during other camping trips, you know, we would hear calls, like kind of a hooting holler, not like a owl quite hooting, but a I don't know how to describe it. But I always thought it was, you know some kind of forest animal. And I didn't have enough sense to be afraid. And you would hmm. hear like things banging on trees, like someone hitting a tree with a stick. And wow. again, I didn't know that these are all very classic Bigfoot things. Hmm. So I don't camp now. I don't camp as an adult. <laughs> I know it's yeah, out there. It might be for the best. I mean, because his, this is yeah. a part of my whole my philosophy with my uh, podcast and one of the things that I plan on sort of categorizing a lot of these encounters with is this uh, sort of a mental schema of human belief and the what, what human beings expect can be sort of manifested in a way. And, yeah. and, and it's somewhere between that and, you know, these things exist in some realm that lies somewhere between our real world and some other world. You know, I, I don't I don't really have a complete grasp on it just yet, but that's part of my, my journey is trying to figure out what exactly could it be that's making so many millions of people over time see the same things and experience and hear and feel the same things. Mm -hmm. And especially in, in cases like this one, where there are footprints and giant handprints that grown adults even saw and reacted to. And yeah. it makes me wonder, people like you have some sort of um, view of, of this existence that others don't. You, you can see things and you experience some certain things. And I wonder if maybe even, even before, before you were an adult, you, you know, in this Bigfoot um, Mogollon monster encounter, you were a child. Perhaps you had that ability about you, the ability to see yeah. into that realm, or even you being there is what enabled this creature to interact with our with our physical realm. These are all things that awesome. kind of pop through my head because if you, you, you notice that thing seemed to have some sort of interest in you possibly it came up and just kind of hung around there mm -hmm. and maybe it can only interact with this world when there is someone like you around you know it's like if a bigfoot falls over in the forest and no one's there to hear it did it <laughs> did it really happen you know what i mean yeah but the the, the poor little child with a little bit of psychic ability <laughs> Yeah, she'll hear it. Yeah, because I had already had paranormal experiences by that age. I'd already had two by that age. 
What what generally was were those about? Um, well, one I was uh visited by my great grandmother when she died. She told me she was leaving. She came mm. and said goodbye to me. And, and that was uh, after after she was... passed. Yes, the night she passed. Hmm. Because I was the only one of her great grandchildren that she didn't know very well because I lived in Arizona and I was the only girl down here and my grandfather her son would take my brother and my cousins on road trips up there but he didn't feel comfortable traveling as a single man with a small girl hmm. so I didn't get to meet her until my mother took me which was just before she died wow yeah and then the the other one it, it's a real real quick little story if you want me to tell it to you sure no absolutely but real quick before you do okay. that i want to i wanted to mention something about that that oh, okay. the the fact that your grandmother sort of sought you out after she passed it makes me wonder you know if when someone passes into that next realm say the spirit realm for lack of a better term since i really don't know cuz i haven't been there yet I wonder if those people know who can see them and who can't. If they seek those people out to to give them messages or to help them or or what have you. I mean, maybe she she passed on and she immediately realized, oh well, I can journey to to my granddaughter and she'll be able to see me. So I I might as well say goodbye. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I just remember her telling me that everything would be okay. You know, that's a, that that's, I was going to be okay. It's very touching. So what was the other story yeah. that you had when you were a child? Oh, well, I thought I met Tinkerbell. Um, actual like Peter Pan's Tinkerbell. I, I was convinced I met her as an orb, as her little light, flickery self. Um, I was, oh, five maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was after dinner and after my bath. And I was playing in my room. My brother was in the living room with the family watching TV. And I was just kind of playing around in, in my room. And, uh, my brother and I had bunk beds and Mm. of course mine was the bottom bunk. Uh, also our windows, there was two windows, uh, one on, on two of the walls and in Arizona, especially way back in the, in the day before we had air conditioners, a lot of us would put aluminum foil on the windows to help block the heat i don't know Mm -hmm. if that happens anywhere else but it's a big thing here or it used to be before people got air conditioning so that makes um, sense the windows the windows were covered in aluminum foil and then they had very heavy curtains I, i tell you this so you know that there's no way light is getting through into this room other than the the overhead ceiling light so um I'm I'm just playing around uh, in my with my toy toys, you know. I I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I see this light kind of come from one of the walls that has a window on it, but not the window. And it's this little flickery. Um, uh, do you remember the movie Legend with Tim Curry? Yes. Do you remember how Una? would flicker when she'd fly, the little fairy in that? I think so. I only have very vague memories of that, of that film. Well, it's a little 
twinkly, gets brighter, gets dimmer. And this mm-hmm. is before that movie. Um, she's, she, it, um, is doing this little floaty, not direct line. It's kind of like watching a butterfly move around. And mm-hmm. it's glimmering and, and, and twinkling. And uh, I'm like, oh, oh, my God, Tinkerbell. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I have no reference other than, you know, having seen Peter Pan. And it kind of is exploring things. It's looking at the top of the dressers and and kind of gets lower and looks in the toy box. And it's, it's just flittering around my room. It goes underneath the bunk bed, like between the top bunk and the bottom bunk. So it's in the shadow of the ceiling, the light. Mm-hmm. And it it is glowing even brighter under there, of course, because it's, you know, there's less light. It's, it's brighter. And I jump on my bed and I'm like, Oh, Tinkerbell, I'm so excited. And, and, um, you know, I'm talking and telling it about my toys and just, you know, the things that a five-year-old would do. Yeah. And it kind of flitters around a little kind of bounces on the pillows and, you know, just all the little things. And then it just goes back out the wall that it came in. And I was just, I was stunned that, you know, Tinkerbell had come to visit me and nobody else had visits by Tinkerbell. And, you know, I just, I thought I was, you know, (laughs) I don't to this day know what that was. Um, Hmm. I really don't. I have no idea. You know, five-year-old mind, it was Tinkerbell. So you didn't, you didn't detect any, any sort of feeling or energy from that? whatever no, that was or any all. any kind of intent no i was no it was pure magical huh. i was not afraid of it in the least bit wow well that doesn't sound bad at all malevolent i know it was awesome <laughs> i met tinkerbell yeah, hey as as far you as know, as far as we're concerned that was tinkerbell and she was just coming to hang out right. with the coolest 5 year old ever Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was even clapping my hands because, you know, you clap your hands if you believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all. I was like <laughs> clapping my hands and I was, yay. I was just, yeah, it was, but I didn't know that that wasn't normal, you know? Mm. Um, and it didn't, you know, you see these other TV shows and stuff where they show orbs. It didn't behave like any of those. I mean, it was, if you imagine, a, you know, a butterfly with a tiny little light attached to it floating through a field of flowers wow sans serif asks what color was the orb was it colorless white or kind of a golden white okay maybe with flecks of blue but it was yeah just kind of a golden white with maybe little flecks of sparks Mm. of blue in it it's pretty (laughs) oh i i can only imagine it sounds it sounds like a beautiful sight to behold for sure it was it was it was very enchanting and you haven't seen it before or since. Nope. No. So, but like I said, I, I the reason I told you about the windows is because there's no way any any flashlight or any reflection or anything could have been coming in that room. Right. Yeah. So that that because just was... kind of kind of rules out the you know a stray car traffic uh, traffic light or a street light or a headlamp from a car things like that. Right. That and it, and it lasted in. too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus, plus, if it a... was dancing around the way you the way you say, and you could right. see it moving around right. in three dimensional space, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it was, you know, 
it would go behind me and off to the side and because I was kind of in the center of the room. And so I, I was turning, watching it and following it. That's very interesting. And it's also, it's kind of heartwarming that it just, it was just a nice moment that didn't, didn't leave any negative energy with you to carry through the rest of your life. Like a lot of this, a lot of these other stories have. Yes. And yes. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we, we saved that as the last story for the night. <laughs> well, Gina, yeah. thank you so much for being my inaugural interview guest live call in for the dreamer cast i i appreciate you so much thank you to um everybody who popped on to the live stream to participate ask questions and uh you guys are phenomenal i appreciate you so much gina i hope you have a great rest of your night and uh thank you you too thank you and i will i will do my best and I appreciate you all so much for joining us tonight. And there you have it, friends. Yet another fascinating look beyond the veil. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope I've convinced you to take another step or two down the rabbit hole. Make sure you subscribe to the DreamerCast, so you never miss out on our next unique journey into the realm of mystery. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to drop me a 5-star rating on iTunes. It really helps me out and I would very much appreciate it. I'd love it if you shared the show with your friends and family, anyone with a taste for the truly fascinating questions that we explore here. If you have a paranormal story of your own that you would like to share with me, head over to my website, MrXDreams.com, where you'll find a story submission page along with links to my merchandise, YouTube channel, and other ways to support the show. Until next time, my friends. I'm Mr. X Dreams, and I hope to see you again soon on the DreamerCast.